When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Dave Jones, I love when we're on the same page. We're wearing matching St. Joe's gear. Look at this. Yeah. I mean, that's that's my basketball squad. Dave knows it. Dave's a huge college hoops fan your your shirt's way nicer than mine as we begin the blue white breakdown podcast but man i'm just glad you could throw a little support behind the hawks because it's been a it's been a rough go lately much like northwestern it's been a, a little bit of a rough go for the hawks yeah i like billy but that's a tough job man he, he walked into a tough situation he's a good dude i've always liked him but man ugh, i don't know Dave, how about Pat Fitzgerald? I mean, where are you on him? I mean, this is... Uh... I'm late taping because I want to watch the end of the uh, the replay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not good, man. I mean, serve, I, think, I think just in general, Bob, it's getting harder and harder to survive with two and three-star athletes uh, around college football. And he's done it with some sort of magic potion for a while now. But you see Wisconsin starting to, to fall by the wayside. You see Nebraska just not being able to cut it with those guys. And Northwestern, I mean, they have lost to three consecutive underdogs. Uh, and they're not good football teams. You're talking about uh, Duke. <laughs> Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois, the Salukis. That's a Walt Frazier school. By the glide. Not a Dick Butka school. And and then this last game against Miami of Ohio, just, uh, ugh. I mean, I'm, I'm watching it. It's just basic breakdowns. The, the game is 7 nothing going into the half. They've already botched a um, potential TD drive with a fumble. But it's still, you know, they still got the lead. And then they don't recognize a, a very apparent punt block that, that Miami has on. And the the you know the the two guards in the middle of the formation just release and run upfield and they get gang rushed by like six guys that the protectors can't handle. I mean it's that is basic stuff that it's not really about athletes. It's just a, about a dysfunction. And there were fumbles. There were other stuff that happened. Ryan Holinsky looked really good at the, at the start of the. Start of the game, for those who don't know, he is a four-star, borderline five-star quarterback that they got uh, who transferred in a couple years ago, did not perform well initially, but had looked good against Nebraska, if you saw the Ireland game. 
Um, he looked good in this game. He hit 13 of his first 16 passes. It's not like they don't have skill players. They do. Evan Hall is a really good little bumper car type of, of feature back uh, who is low to the ground and keeps his balance and is a problem. Eric Clare, they got, they got like three of those guys. But, man, at scrimmage, they are just not equipped, and they, they've been fumbling, turning the ball over, and they're not good enough to withstand that. And it's, it's ugly. It's ugly right now. Yeah, um, their left tackle, I will say, is a, is a good player, but they, there's only so much one really good offensive lineman can do, right? They he can't. You can only do if if it, if it was a five star quarterback that was a future first round pick, it would be different. But Dave, it's just uh, it's tough, and I just I just want I just wonder how much longer Pat wants to do this. He's been doing it for a long time, and he's he's done it, you know, probably the last couple of years at a at a pretty consi- fairly consistent level. But it just looks like there's it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. You're talking about Peter Skaronsky, right? I am. What a great last name. He's got to be related to Bob Skaronsky, isn't he? A grandson or something? I don't know. Skaronsky's a pretty popular name in Illinois, I think. It's like Smith <laughs> everywhere else. You got a point. There's lots of uh, there's, there's lots of processed meat factories and stuff where Skaronsky's work. I don't know how he did it all this time, really. I mean, this is his 17th season there. You remember when we used to go to Chicago and and he was this peppery young guy and he doesn't look he does not as he's not as peppy anymore, well, man. Actually he's not. he was on Monday. You gotta look at his press conference. I mean, there are people asking whether he was uh delusional on drugs because he came <laughs> in very upbeat and we were we're right there, we're right on the uh we're so close and, and they're not close, man. They're not close. They just put it was such a huge win against Nebraska, you know, uh, <laughs> one of the best teams in the country to beat them the way they did. I think that I, I just think they expended too much energy. Well, I guess you can take happiness in providing happiness to Nebraska fans, doing doing their part to put an end to that regime. And I know the Cornhusker fans are basking in the glow of Scott Frost's dismissal this bye week. <laughs> so Northwestern <laughs> did its part to get that done, but. It's it, there's no excuse for Penn State not to just uh, scramble this team on Saturday, no matter what the weather is, which I guess is going to be kind of ugly. Scramble their eggs, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I I'm with you. It looks like Northwestern can do a couple things well, but to lose three games in a row like that at home, it's it's you know they used to be used to be really really tough and close games. You know what I mean? They 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 could play with just about anyone, keep it close in the fourth quarter. And win their share, but this to lose three in a row to these outfits is a sign of uh, maybe like what you said. You can only do so much with duct tape and two stars and three stars anymore. You just they won that division two of the last four years. That's the amazing part. They won it in eighteen and twenty, and but they were last the other two years. They look like they're going to be last again this year if if uh, Nebraska Nebraska's got such an easy schedule. They've got a very very simple <laughs> schedule. They do. I mean, they could they could easily and and the problem is that Northwestern is it kind of drew it. They got a tough draw. I mean, they got at Maryland, Ohio State, and Penn State out of the East. It's not as easy. They might not win a game the rest of the year. They might not. Ooh. Pat's a good guy. Hell of a linebacker at Northwestern. I know you covered you covered Penn State when Northwestern played. You wrote a lot about the Rose Bowl that they 
almost beat USC in, but couldn't. But that was a magical year. But yeah, he was he's a big part. One of the fam- most famous Northwestern alums, wouldn't you say? If not, he's got to be on the very short list. That was such a, a titanic accomplishment. I mean, if, if you had to name, and you're, you're as much of a college football fan as I am, if you had to name the most amazing accomplishments in the history of college, the modern history of college football, what would you say? You know, uh, Snyder at Kansas State, maybe turning that thing around. They were pathetic in the 80s. And, and Bill Snyder tur- turned that around with a lot of JUCOs, but he did it and turned them into a really competitive team. I believe they, they beat Nebraska one year, didn't they, in a, in a very pivotal situation? Yeah, Nebraska had, had their number. And then and then once they had Michael Bishop at quarterback and, and – Michael Bishop, yeah. They were formidable not only against Nebraska. They, they were they were really, really good. They, they, they had a chance, I think, to, to do something even greater. And I think they they lost the Big 12 title game in a game they were favored to win or they could – Yeah, I think it was 97. 97, they ended up in the Alamo Bowl playing Purdue with Billy Dickin as the quarterback. Um, Drew Brees <laughs> was on the bench. And and they were like number four in the country when they play, played Purdue that way that year. And, but anyway, you'd say, you'd say Snyder with Kansas State. I would say Greg Schiano with Rutgers the first time around. I mean that that was the worst team in college football, the worst team in college football when when Terry Shea was there. I mean when he took that thing over in '01, they were at the bottom of the entire heap, and within. Uh, five years, they were top 10 in the country. They were, they were, <laughs> they were number six in the nation in mid-November going to Cincinnati. And I think they got beat by Brian Kelly when he was the coach at Cincinnati in there. And that, that derailed a season where, you know, they could have conceivably actually played in the, in the BCS national championship game. So that would be two. But the other, yeah. the third has to be Gary Barnett at Northwestern, which had been just a punching bag. And I don't mean for years, I mean for decades. Uh, <laughs> Harrisburg favorite son, Denny Green, went in there and it was just a toxic waste dump. And he got them to 3-7-1 and one in, I think, <laughs> I forget, in the 80s. 3-7-1 and one and was voted Big Ten Coach of the Year for, for, for that. That's how that's how bad it was. So Barnett came in there from Colorado with uh, a very good staff. Ron Vanderlinden was the defensive coordinator, and that, that was a miracle worker. I mean, that that was a miracle miracle work. And they they all of a sudden in '94. Remember, they came in and played that Penn State team that was undefeated. They they got routed like everyone everyone got routed by that Penn State team. But I remember they had 30 first downs in Beaver Stadium. I'm thinking this this is a well coached team. You know they're they're they are functional. And and then the next year, lo and behold, Penn State goes in there and they've lost a game. And Northwestern has upset Notre Dame. They've upset Michigan. They didn't have to play Ohio State. And that was the game. It was a bitter cold day. Dyke Stadium, as it used to be called back then, had never been filled. It had never been filled, I mean, in, in my memory, and it was like the middle of November, it's ABC, Brent Musburger's doing the game. And it had been so long since anyone had been in the seats uh, where the scoreboard was that they didn't plan on it. And people were standing and obstructing the scoreboard numbers. 
because no one, no one ever sat in those seats. And and Pat Fitzgerald was the middle linebacker. They won the game twenty-one to ten, and that was the the key component in them getting to the Rose Bowl. They actually did what Gary Barnett said he was going to do, for which he was laughed at. He said he was going to take the purple to Pasadena, and they did. And they they went they went and lost to Keyshawn Johnson in a wonderful wonderful Rose Bowl. Uh, probably until until the. Uh, USC Texas Rose Bowl in 05, I think the most entertaining Rose Bowl that's ever been, but but they lost. But but it was an incredible, incredible accomplishment. Pat is from that accomplishment. He didn't get to play in that Rose Bowl game because he ripped up his knee the last game of the season. You know, when you talk about replacing him, well, what's your next idea? This guy is the Scott Frost that worked, that went back to his alma mater and got it going and has been very respectable, thought of as as maybe the best coach with little to work with, especially in the league for years and years and years. It's easy to be Ryan Day or Jim Harbaugh or James Franklin, for that matter, a lot tougher to be Pat Fitzgerald. So, you know, we all like him. Uh, We all wish him well, but man, he's in a bad way. Yeah. And I, I mean, I just wonder if maybe he's a little bit, you said 17 years. At some, at some point, there is such a thing as getting a little bit burned out. And I didn't know if maybe he was at that point, but you said he was he was all fired up on Monday. So who knows? They've, they've had some pretty bad starts to seasons before, but I can't remember one uh, non-conference-wise quite like this where they just – maybe Duke is pretty good, uh, or maybe they're not that bad. But the other two teams, I don't know, man. I just thought that was bad. Well, they lost all of their non-conference games in 2018 and then won the Big Ten West. It's not unprecedented. They lost to Duke and Akron and Notre Dame that year. So it's it's possible, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, it is possible. And after they, they upset Penn State, we're going to be kicking ourselves, Dave. They're 25.5-point underdogs. You look at what, what each side has. I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, what do you think about Penn State's running game and the fact that it's just been a weird year, right? After the Auburn game, I would have said, man, Nick Singleton just looks like he is ready to be one of the faces of college football this year, even as a true freshman. Uh, we don't have, we've seen very little from Kevon Lee. And now Katron Allen, who is now 20 pounds lighter, was clearly their best back against Central Michigan and really bailed them out a little bit. So it's nice to have all those options. But you just wonder, is there ever going to be one guy is there ever going to be one guy that emerges in you know in October and November, or is it just going to be hey we're going to play the hot hand? They're all talented. Uh, we're just going to wait to see which one steps up on game day. Now we had kind of a little debate in the press box. We'll give you a little inside baseball fans that that I just didn't think Singleton looked right. I thought he was bouncing runs too much um, rather than hitting the holes, and I thought Katron Allen just looked better. You thought at the time that Singleton just wasn't getting blocking. He wasn't getting blocking, but that's part of Allen's gift is that he is willing to duck into crevices and power through them. And I don't know that Singleton is. Is that the way you saw it in retrospect? I'm sure you went and looked at well, the tape. you know, you just wonder, you know, you, Dave, you kind of wonder if you just look at Singleton and Katron Allen, like Katron Allen played at IMG. I, I think they probably played against some decent competition. You know, when, when Singleton was at Governor Mifflin, I, I don't know how many times he had to actually stick his nose in there, you know, like a like a, a hunting dog rooting out for truffles or something like that, looking for a hole and kind of finding it. I just think that, you know, he was just faster than just about everyone. In- I don't believe I've ever heard that metaphor. 
Yeah, you can use it. You can use it. <laughs> Sniff it around, burrow in. But anyway, I, I think that maybe he's that's something he's going to need to learn. But if if the, if the Lions get him in space, you know, you saw Auburn's team speed didn't really matter. You know, it, it, he's he's a special guy. But I think they the, the whole key with him is they got to get him past the line of scrimmage. Whereas Katron, like you said, he doesn't have a tackle. He doesn't have a carry for loss this year. He can he can get two or three yards for sure. And then sometimes he had a couple of thirty yard runs against. Central Michigan one was called back, so I don't I don't really know what quite what to make of this running back room because I like Kevon Lee a lot coming into the year as well, and he he, he barely plays, so I, I don't know what's going well, on. Lee clearly doesn't have the burst of the other two guys, so there's that, and I, I you would have to assume I don't think has anyone asked Franklin whether that's essentially he wouldn't he wouldn't answer you anyway, so I think that is the answer to his lack of playing time. Assuming there's nothing wrong with it. I don't think there's anything wrong with him. But the pattern so far, I think, might be reversed from what it should be. Usually you have a power back. Hassan Haskins, for instance, last year would start the game and soften up the defense. And then Blake Corum would come in, the little the little race car, this the speed racer, and hit the edge. And the defense is a little tired in the second quarter. And zoom. So... Up to this point, Singleton has started with Allen being the changeup back. Maybe we reverse him. What do you think of that? It makes sense to me. I also think that Katron is the guy, I think, inside inside the 10-yard line. He's the guy when the defense is condensed. I think he's got he's he's most equipped uh right now to be the guy that if it's if it's third and goal from the two-yard line and you line up under center, I think he's probably the guy I would want behind Clifford and not. Not Nick Singleton. There's nothing wrong with Nick Singleton's talents, but I think he's still learning maybe how to be an inside and outside runner, whereas Catron, I think, is is their best inside runner right now. You know, there's there's been a lot of backs who turned out to be great inside runners. When they first came into college football, I remember LaShawn McCoy, his first year at Pittsburgh, and 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 not really liking to run inside like that. He had to learn it. And I actually mentioned that to him in an interview one time at the Eagles facility, and he got a little bit pissed off. He said, I wasn't, I said, I saw it, man. I mean, you didn't, you didn't initially like to, uh, the point I was trying to make is, is you have to learn how to run inside in both step ups, both in the college and the, and the NFL, because it's a steep step up in both cases. It can happen, but, and Singleton's certainly big enough. He's 220. He's big enough to take the punishment. Uh, it's it's not an easy job. As a Cowboys fan, Tony Tony Dorsett had to learn that when he got to Dallas. That's another example of a guy. Yeah, that's a that's a really good call. Yeah, and I thought that uh, watching the Cowboys and Giants on Monday, I thought Barkley has gotten a lot better since he left Penn State. At you know not trying to bounce everything, uh, he's he's been a little bit more patient, and he had a he had a nice touchdown run against the Cowboys that. Uh, he cut back, but he, it started inside, and he, he kind of waited. And when he saw the hole, he was gone. But yeah, I think you're right. I think I think there's a feel for that, and I think that you also have to be ready to uh, when you run inside, you got to be prepared to get hit. I mean, and and that, and that I think also takes some getting used to. It's easy for us to say. I mean, who wants to get hit like that in there? It's it's especially by no. You you have to you have to kind of enjoy the, the contact. You kind of have to be a freak. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different. 
and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I am curious now, uh, and also in retrospect, we still have not seen Drew Allar in, in, in important minutes in a game in doubt other than at Purdue when he was forced to come in with Sean Clifford had cramps in his legs. Uh, do you think we see it here against Northwestern? I would imagine that they are going to go into the game with a plan to play Drew Aller in the second quarter. If by some chance it is 7-7 or 10-7, I don't know that they're going to stick to that plan. I just think that I, – I do think they desperately want to play him as much as they can, but – I think James is aware that he wants to he wants to feel a little bit more secure about where they are. I, I'm with you, Dave. I would like to see him play regardless, you know, because I don't think there's much of a downside. I mean, what's the worst case scenario if you say we're going to put him in five minutes into the second quarter? Like they're not going to be down 21 to three. Could they start slow? Yeah, but I think I know what you're saying. You know, it, it, it's one thing to put him in in the third quarter up three touchdowns. It's another thing to to give him a little bit more meaningful snaps uh, when the other guys are pretty fresh and they're not dejected. And he looked good when they did it against Purdue. So maybe, maybe we will see that. I would I don't know that James is, is going to do that unless they're up double digits. Yeah. I, there was what I was trying to say to him during the press conference. And, you know, very honestly, I was running the question by before we got him in the post game after, after the central Michigan game. Like, how do I phrase this where he'll answer it? And everyone I asked said, he ain't going to answer it, <laughs> which, which he didn't. But, but I'm trying to be empathetic of his situation. He's, he cannot, he does not want to blow a game or, or blow the confidence of his young prodigy because his offensive line is a little bit sketchy and he's not really mobile. He doesn't want him in there making a critical mistake in important minutes. On the other hand, man, I think these days it's the only way to learn, especially with a kid this good. You got to put him in maybe in a in a 10-7 game in the second quarter. And that's the only especially against Northwestern, it's not like you're facing last year's Michigan front. You're you're not. This is the this is the time to do it. They got to buy next week. Uh you got to get everyone ready right now because it's going to be a tough stretch here coming up at Michigan, Minnesota, which uh, you saw Minnesota, right, at Michigan State. I was uh, having a couple of beers here locally with uh, a, a guy named Raj Verma, who is a, a very uh, uh, well-connected Michigan State uh, guy. He lives in Atlanta. And it's it's a situation where Mel Tucker has kind of put – that he's put his own personality on that on that program of toughness, and Minnesota just went in there and out toughed them. It was thirty-one to nothing. A thirty-four to seven is that what it was? Ass kicking. 
It was 34 nothing at one point. And it was just a front-to-back ass-kicking at scrimmage. And both with Mo, Mo Ibrahim and Tanner Morgan looked terrific. Those, those two guys did not have good years last year. Ibrahim was out the first game uh, with what, you know, it's an Achilles injury. You don't know if you're going to come back from that. He looks terrific. They've, they've got a backup back uh, that, that runs behind him, a change-up guy. And the other thing was Tanner Morgan just did not have his mojo going. And to your credit, you said that Kirk Shiraka would revitalize him, and it really looks – he's the perfect RPO quarterback. I mean, he makes quick decisions. He knows that offense. He likes that offense. They've, they, they, they seem to have good enough receivers who catch the ball. They lost their top wideout to injury, but they look they looked really good. I was impressed, like a, a very even uh, division between pass and run. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. But I, I just I was I was amazed with how Minnesota how good Minnesota looked. In a couple of weeks, that's going to be a really fun one to talk about all week with Shiraka, uh, with PJ, with with uh, Tanner Morgan, with 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 Mo the running back, and the fact that they are physically. They are ready for a street fight in any game they want to play, and they're not going to back down. They're a, they're a physical team, and it'll be fun to talk about that because it looks like with the schedule they have, they, they should be unbeaten coming into uh, the Beaver Stadium. They should be 7-0, and the point I was getting it to is that's the game after they go to Michigan. So they're going to get softened up by these two badass bully ball teams and then they got to play the 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 the, the fighter jets. Uh, it's it's a really real. I can't remember a tougher stretch of three games on a Penn State schedule. Any anything else you picked up about Northwestern this week? I'm really ex- I'm really excited to see this left tackle play from Northwestern. The reason I say that is, well, I am because Penn State's defensive ends are are off to a very good start, and it's. It's not necessarily Adisa Isaac. It's it's Chop Robinson's off to a really, really good start. And also that freshman, Deny Dennis Sutton, he's a guy that's really going to help them at some point. He's got three sacks already, but two were in garbage time last week. I just think that's going to be a little bit of an education there. And I think that Penn State's uh, ends are going to be up for the challenge. But, I, you know, I read some things about Northwestern and from – talent evaluators and they had tapes of uh Hutchinson Aiden Hutchinson in the Northwestern game last year and he did some damage but whenever they lined him up against Skaronski it was a it was no go man he did not do anything with this guy and it's this is a really good player and I I think it's going to be a nice test for Penn State's edge guys and I think they need it I think what we've seen of Manny Diaz it's he's kind of like a mistake hitter you know, a lot of a lot of great home run hitters in Major League Baseball, they get almost all of their big stats off of mediocre and not good pitchers. It's when they go up against the the aces, it's a lot tougher for them. Usually the pitcher wins. And Manny, I think, has very much taken advantage of uh, you. You saw the Richardson kid from Central Michigan. He was picking them apart a little bit, whereas. Finley from Auburn, you could tell Manny <laughs> Manny had no respect for either one of those guys. Holinsky is kind of in between the Northwestern quarterback. He he was a stud recruit at South Carolina, uh, started 11 games for them there, basically was kind of a, a washout on a bad team. He, he's had a, a really tough go of it with his, his brother was the Washington State quarterback who, who 
committed suicide. And, and it's, it's, it's been a, just a, a really heart wrenching, tragic kind of stretch right there. And you could understand how anyone would be thrown for a loop. He came to Northwestern. He wasn't good at first. I've seen stretches of him, especially in the Nebraska game, in this last game against Miami of Ohio, who, by the way, was playing their backup quarterback. Their, their, <laughs> starter, their starter is Blaine Gabbert's little brother, and he's good, Brett Gabbert, but he got injured. He got injured. So Miami beat them with their backup quarterback, man, who completed like eight passes the whole game. And that ain't good. So Miami ran, you know, to your point, Miami ran the ball when they needed to run the ball. They busted a 66-yard run at the end of the game for the for the winning touchdown. It set up the winning touchdown where a Northwestern kid on the edge just whiffed. You were talking about a Mac tailback, okay? Just whiffed. That's what they have defensively. They're not good defensively. You saw them against Nebraska, I think. Yeah, you keep bringing that up, but it's fair. It's fair, Dave. It's all fair. They were the much better team against Nebraska the final 20 minutes of that game. Whenever Nebraska went up at 11 and they they tried that onside kick, Northwestern was clearly the better team, and that's very disheartening to me. But your point, they look like a team that might be able to upset a couple people in the Big Ten West off of that game, but the reality is that uh, Nebraska just stunk that much, and now – it's just been a real struggle for Northwestern to find its footing. What I'm telling you is they have tools offensively. They've got Evan Hall is a very good little back. He could play for Penn State. Um, Cam Porter is a good changeup back. They've got running backs. And I think Halinski has skills. He can fling the ball. They've got the left tackle, Skronsky, you're talking about. They will try to run the ball. But, man, they can't. they can't stop anybody. And Penn State should just – meat grind these guys and play their whole offense, but it could rain up there. You, you've got to be able to run on these guys. If Miami of Ohio can run on them when it matters, you should be able to run on them. And th- th- to me, this is a prove-it game for Penn State's running attack. All right, just to be clear, Dave, just to be clear, how many carries a game is Hull getting in the Penn State running back rotation with those two freshmen? He's he's a change-up back. Okay, okay. I, I, was, I was just curious. He's a, he's a, little, he's a little bumper car. I know he leads a team receptions. I know that he's like a he's a very very valuable right. He plays. He's a good little back. He's tough. Uh, he's he's kind of bullet body, fire hydrant body, but quicker than you think. Uh, so he's not to be discounted. What I'm saying is, offensively they have tools. Defensively, boy, yeah, I mean, even Nebraska was like running up and down the field on them. They just shot themselves in the foot the whole time. So there's no excuse not to really move the ball on these guys. All right, Davey, you know what time it is. Give me your pick, maybe one key you're going to be watching for, and then I will do the same. I will say Penn State 38-14, and uh, it's kind of kind of problematic whether Ian Hurricane Ian remnants are going to be an effect here or not, uh, but that would, of course – you know, affect affect both both teams' game plan. I think it's going to be kind of raw and cloudy and maybe rainy up there. But I I want to see Penn State run the ball and run it effectively against these guys. If if they can't do that against these guys, you know, I it's it's a it's a red flag. It's a red flag against Michigan. Dave, I need a bonus prediction from you. Will we see Drew Aller midway through the second quarter? 
or not? No. Okay. <laughs> I, All right. I got to go with what James Franklin's pattern has been, which is, you know, if, if they get ahead by two or three touchdowns, yes. But if they don't, no. And that's the key point to me. They should play them whether they're ahead or not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I actually picked, uh, I picked 38 seven. So we see Penn state around the same point total. I just don't, we'll see how, how Northwestern does up there. I wanted to say, boy, if, if Penn state doesn't, doesn't really uh, grab this game by the throat, Northwestern could hang around. But then I was, the more I looked at what Northwestern had done the last three weeks and who had done it to them, they just don't, they don't have the depths the depth and the athletes really, I think to really, really, if, if Penn state somehow turns it over three or four times, penalties and stuff like that. But I just don't know, even if all that happens, I don't know if they can stay within three touchdowns of Penn state. So I think 38, seven, you have Northwestern covering though. So that's interesting to me. Oh, it's a, it's probably a backdoor cover is what I'm thinking. I mean, this, this should not be a game. All right, Penn state fans. That's it. We talked about Fitzgerald. We talked about Gary Barnett. We talked about the 95 Northwestern team. We brought up Nebraska's season opening loss to Northwestern, so that was super. Uh, but we also talked about Drew Aller and and the the the, uh, the gauntlet that Penn State's got to run once they get past this game in the bye week. It's going to get real interesting, I think. And Dave, I know you agree for Penn State. This is kind of like the industrial film where they review when you're in school, review <laughs> what we've seen, and and give you a chance to, to write down the outline. You know, okay. It's in summation. I always like to give a little summation. <laughs> I'm going to see if you can talk about Nebraska losing in every podcast. Like So far, you're like six for your last six, so I like Well, it. I, 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 I got to get this in. I did talk about the new coach. Before we leave, do you have a thought on the on, other than Bill O'Brien on the new coach? Because I, I put in a new name. Did you see the new name I put in? I didn't. I mean, I know you're a big Leopold guy. I know Campbell's been another guy that's been floating around. I just don't know about Billy O in Lincoln, Nebraska. So who is the new name? I didn't see it. What about Charles Huff? Okay. A, a jolt of personality. I mean, I guarantee you if he gets an interview, he'll knock it out of the park. And they've never had anybody with personality at that place. I mean, back to Osborne, uh, Polini had a personality, but not one you'd want to be around. <laughs> How dare you say Bill Callahan didn't have a personality, Dave? I just think, and they've never had a black coach either, except for the, the guy they have now as an interim coach. I, I think they could really use a dose of Charles Hoff, who could be, he's a buoyant, fun guy, interesting guy, and clearly a hell of a coach. I mean, if you've done what he's done already at Marshall, I just think that would be an interesting interview. All right, we'll see. On that Nebraska note, we will uh, conclude this Penn, Penn State podcast. Dave, I will see you up there. On Saturday, drive safe. I'll try and do the same. And uh, then it's on to the bye week. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs> <laughs>